I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder, rock and roll. And today, Jail Sonnen sounds off as he returns to Talk is Jericho to talk Brock Lesnar in the WWE, Ronda Rousey in the WWE, Conor McGregor, CM Punk, or Phil Brooks as he's known in the MMA world. He's got some details about Phil's second fight coming up later this year, how he likely got a second chance and where it's going to happen. Jail's also talking about his own return to the Octagon, what brought him back, and what his training regimen is like now that he's over 40. He's also a huge pro wrestling fan, as we know. He's got some thoughts about Braun Strowman's Fast lane match and what might happen with him at WrestleMania. We talked promoters, Dana White in the UFC, Vince McMahon in the WWE, and why he might be the best promoter of all time. Chell's even got some interesting opinions about what Donald Trump has taken from the pro wrestling world. So great conversation with Chell Sonnen, recorded at his podcast studio in Portland, Oregon, when I was there last week with Fozzie, and it started right now on Talk is Jericho. Crank it up, man. <laughs> You sound better. I prefer you on here. See, but I can't hear you. Oh, yeah, mine is actually off. I don't hear myself I'm just either. Hearing me. Is that me? One, two, one, two, one, two. You got the control. So you got reverse. Yeah. Oh, something happened. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm turning up. No, I'm not. I'm not kicking through. I can hear my. I hear him. I don't hear me. No. I hear me, and I don't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it is picking up here at least. It's I'm unaware of just as a clutch. I feel I I don't I felt weird without him. Yeah, I can't hear you as much without mine though. Yeah. All right. Weird. So now that we're, we're headphoneless, one guy has headphones, one guy doesn't. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, but it's fine. It's of course we're recording. That's why I just said it. You now you're now on the podcast. This oh, this is, is the, this, this is, is how you start. This is All how right. I start. Cool. We just get rolling. There's no big <laughs> intro. Just get into it. Uh, Chael Sonnen is here uh, in Portland, and actually, you're the one who set this up because I don't know. I um, for me, when I have do my podcast, I carry all my audio stuff in a white pillowcase. Um, I don't know why; it's just the way I've done it from the start. And I left it in a hotel room in Vegas, so they're sending it to the venue here in Portland tomorrow. But I forgot about that, so when I was driving up here, I was like, "Hey, dude, you want to do a podcast?" You're like, "Sure," and then I was like, "Oh my god, I don't even have my stuff." So you came through, and we got this palatial studio here. And it turns out you had an honest hotel staff that, yeah. that didn't go down to the local Hawk Mart 
and get rid of your equipment. The secret was, though, I have a friend of mine who lives in Vegas, so I got him on it because I realized that, like, about an hour on the plane, dude, you got to go down there and get it. So when you actually have someone on the, on the field that can go grab it, that eliminated a lot of the uh, middleman stuff. And, and what are you doing on the road right now? You're with Fozzie exclusively? Fozzie Tour, yeah. Okay, you're yeah. not, you don't have to make towns for wrestling. No, no, I'm not doing uh, WWE stuff right now, so... Are you going to be annoyed when I mark out? You know how much I love wrestling. Can no, I, that's why. That's, here's the thing. There's no game plan, Chael. We can do whatever we want, which is the cool thing. Can about we it. talk Braun Strowman? And Let's how, talk about it, sure. He, he's Come on. He's the tag team champion. Is that what's going to happen? Because no, I saw that he, uh, he, he uh, won some kind of a match where he's going to face the tag team champions at WrestleMania. My understanding is he is officially the champion, no? I thought no, he won he, the no, belt. No, 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 no. Okay. He, he won the right to face... The champions okay. at WrestleMania. Okay. Right? Because that's the big thing right now. This time of year, everybody's kind of uh, you know, figuring out what their WrestleMania angles are going to be. And I think they were keeping Strowman in reserve in case there was any issues with, have you heard about this big thing with Roman Reigns and yes. the steroid accusations? And then, of course, with Brock, is he staying? Is he going? Is it a work? We don't know. And it seemed that, that Braun was kind of the third wheel just in case those other two guys, one of them flaked out. But it seems like that's going to happen now. What What is the deal with that? Some dude was peddling illegal stuff but secretly making a documentary on the side? I don't know, man. I don't really know much about the whole thing. I just know that from time to time you'll see these guys come out of the woodwork of the accusations and all that sort of thing. I mean, do you, do you ever have anything like that in UFC? Because you guys are getting busted all the time there. Yeah, not maybe not like a ring like that. No, yeah. I mean, if I understand right, I only read an article, but I mean, it made big news. It was all the way up to TMZ. They, they usually vet their stuff pretty good. But, sure. Uh, and again, I, I didn't read the whole thing, but, uh, you know, some headlines, it sounded as though the guy was peddling all sorts of stuff, but steroids specifically, had some big names involved, or at least was alluded to. Somewhere he brought Mark Wahlberg's name was was coming mm-hmm. in on this. I mean, he had some big names a involved. Josh Duhamel. Yes, Josh Duhamel was in there. Yeah. And then uh, and then all of a sudden he's doing a documentary on it, which makes me wonder, now, wait a minute, was he filming these guys secretly? Was he recording them secretly? I don't know. But somewhere he had like this, hey, I'm going to... I, I'm, I'm going to rat on everybody, including myself, because I think it's illegal what he's doing. I remember the Jerky Boys got busted for recording stuff. Certainly this guy can't do it, but I don't, <laughs> Wait, I don't the know. The Jerky Boys got busted for doing their, their shows? Yes, you can't. Legal, it's a federal law. You can't record somebody without their knowledge. Wow. Jerky Boys almost went to jail. Well, that was they only had like seven albums. How long did it take before somebody finally figured it out? Pretty damn quick. I mean, a couple of years, yeah. That's a good point, because like, they would just press record. Because I think of uh, uh, Don Jameson and Jim Florentine used to have crank yankers where they would wait all day by the phone for telemarketers to call them. Right. And, like, I guess New York, there's a lot of telemarketers back in the day, so they would then press record and then drive these poor people crazy. But you couldn't do that either. You couldn't can't record a phone. That's right. Wow. Yeah, you have to disclose it. Even somebody got in trouble. Was it Sasha Conan? you know, Borat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ali G, yeah, he got busted because even when you do it on camera, you can go to the guy after the fact, hey, give me a quick sure. release. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, ah, screw that. And he knew he'd get fined. He's like, I just think I can make enough money to pay the fines. But eventually, that's why Borat's gone. But that's gone. the biggest thing for all that stuff. If you do anything on the street, you have to get the person to sign have after, to. right? Have to. Oh, yeah. so that's why there's no more Borat. That's why we don't have Borat. Yeah, he couldn't find a way around it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, pretty interesting. I don't know. How did we get going on that? We're just we're, the, we're just we're talking about the steroid the hell thing. Started, oh, the yeah. steroid thing. Yeah. So uh, so that's what I guess what Strom uh, Strom is doing. But there was some pay per view Sunday. Is this, this just happened? Fast lane. Okay. Just and happened. so he took out essentially twelve guys. I, I listened to Jim Cornette faithfully. <laughs> Jim Cornette is going to be pissed. I can tell you that much. His show hasn't dropped this week. He's going to be pissed that that this happened. But I mean, why, why do you think about, he's going to be pissed? He doesn't like. He he really believes 
in the old school of wrestling when it appears to be resistance offered. It appears to be competitive. It appears to be fight. He doesn't like the high flyers. doesn't like some of this stuff. I don't fully agree with him, but I am influenced by him. I do like that old school mindset. But that will drive him insane that uh, that Braun came out and essentially went through 12 guys, six teams, 12 mm. guys by himself, buried six guys to put himself. It's going to drive him nuts. I'm just looking forward to the show. That's all I'm saying. But the things with with Jim, that's how you push a monster. And I remember when Batista was first there as Leviathan, I'm sure that some of that Jimmy would have done to, to make this guy like larger-than-life killer monster, you know? For sure. I think Jim sometimes forgets what he used to do. For you know, he, he likes to get the controversial and all that sort of thing. But speaking of the controversy, which is you were always known for, and I asked you this last time, and I'll ask you again because you actually did do some wrestling uh, after the last time we spoke. Why have you never gone further into <sighs> into the world? Man, I, I had so much fun. So I only got to participate a little bit. Jeff, just yeah, yeah. Jeff Jarrett was just getting uh, Global Force going, mm-hmm. and he didn't have a television deal, but he was doing some pretty some pretty hot shows in Vegas at the Orleans, which is a great arena. Great talent. I mean, Bobby Roode was there. Oh, I just think he's so good. He mm-hmm. is so good. I'm right about that. He, Bobby Roode's special talent. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, so I kind of went along when he went over to TNA, and I went over I did some voice work mainly, but I, w- I was getting ready to get involved. But Jeff was my contact. When Jeff left, I thought it was a work. I was sending him text messages, you know, when, when, when's the pay-per-view? We're getting ready to do like a pay-per-view, and I've never heard back from him. I mean, he's literally gone dark, never responded to me. He got... Uh, Nominated where he'll be in the Hall of Fame right, at right, WrestleMania right. this year, which was cool. Sure. There was rumors that he was going through rehab. I thought it was a work. Now I'm starting to believe him, but I don't really know. And well, so t- but you did do Global Force, though. You yeah. Because like, so, that was the first time you'd ever actually been in a wrestling situation. Yes. Right? Yes. And what was your job? What were you doing? Oh, was, ugh, I, I had so much fun. You're bringing back good memories. Well, I, wish it, but, I wish it was right now. Let me explain this to people that don't know. The, the GFW was Jarrett's. Global Force Wrestling, and he had a big TV taping, like you mentioned in Vegas, where they recorded lots and lots and lots of sh- uh, shows, yeah. but they never got the TV deal because it's not as easy to get a TV deal as you might think. Yeah. So, but what were you, what were you doing on it and all that sort? Okay, of thing? so that's exactly what happened, and I didn't get to do any wrestling. I got I got to touch one guy for a second, where Bobby Roode, uh, you know, w- was coming across the ring, and I had to change elevation and grab yeah. him, and, and then the other guy hits him and. We all tease Bobby. But other than that, I was just coming out and, and doing mic work. I was just cutting interviews, working up the crowd, and then going to the back. That was kind of my level of participation. And uh, when I was in the back with the boys, I'm not one of the boys. I want to be, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do in the back. So I did the only thing I knew to do, which was go in a room that was empty with the door unlocked and sit by myself. Well, Chris McMaster, that, that annoyed him. Hey, why, why aren't you sitting here with us? It's like... Dude, I didn't know I was welcome. I would rather be in there. You think I want to sit over here by myself? He's like, oh, private dressing room guy. No, 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 no. You got this all wrong. Am I welcome? In, I'll, let me come in your room. He's like, yeah, I expect you. Okay. So, uh, but you had a great time. You know, the Bullet Club was over there right before they really broke through. That was that was cool, mm-hmm. you know, to see those guys walk out on Raw after I was in the back with them and stuff. So, I had a great time, and uh, he had good crowds, too. I mean, he really got some pop and some good traction and some good talent. But as you said, it, it is cart before the horse. You don't have that TV deal until you have that product, and you put a lot of money into it. And uh, I don't know where it goes. You know, I mm. mean, it all rolled over into TNA, but I don't know what his participation moving forward TNA is going to be. It, it's interesting because when you when you say the um, 
there's like the unwritten rule of how you're supposed to conduct yourself in the in the wrestling dressing room, but no one ever tells you what they are. There's no rule book or anything. Like that. <laughs> right. So you say you're trying to be polite, but then you come across as a snob or a guy who thinks his shit doesn't stink. You can't win for losing in that situation. Right. Sometimes. What's it like in the UFC locker room when you when you go in there? Like, does everybody? Like, I never. Let me ask you this. So, like in wrestling, you know, everybody's in a big room changing. Is it like that in UFC, or is there more private dressing rooms for each guy? No, you're all thrown in there. You got the red corner, the blue corner. You got one little mat that you're kind of fight. Hey, when, when's it my turn? Uh, you know, to warm up, and everybody just kind of gets it and gives you your space. But I mean, it's silent. You could hear a rat piss on cotton in there because everybody's so nervous. <laughs> everybody's so scared. They're so freaked out, man. It's a, you're about to walk. Every time they open the door, you can hear the roar of the crowd. Every time the door shuts, eventually someone's going to open the door, call your name, and it's time to go. There's no schedule. There's no. I mean, if if one fight you think it's 15 minutes, it ends in a knockout in 30 seconds. Boom, right. you're up. So it's hard to even know when to warm up, which just adds to your anxiety that you're already under. Uh, so, no, they're pretty tense, but it, they're not spread out. They're all really condensed because you have a commission. See, a commission oversees us, so they have to have eyeballs on everybody. They only have so many guys. So even if there are multiple dressing rooms, and a lot of these arenas, there are, they don't let you go into them because you've got to be in front of the commission at all times. Mm. If you go to the bathroom after you're wrapped, just by, to prove my point, they come in with you. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes, or you've got to cut your wraps off and start from scratch. I know, like, when, when you get tested in WWE – like if you have to do a piss test, and if you you know if you can't go, you have to sit there in front of them until you can go. You can't leave and go have like you know four things of water. You got to literally sit there one time. Actually, me and Reigns of old people sat there for like an hour and a half. Like I can't go. I'm, I'm now you get the stage fright. Drink as much water as you can. You got to sit there in front of these people, and that that's they're very very strict about that. Yeah. You know, people don't realize this is real real stuff. Yeah, it's not like Entourage where he pulled out the fake dick and you don't have any of that. They'll watch your dick to see if you can do it. Oh, yeah, which, uh, to your point, adds to the stage fright. And then you're always annoyed with those guys when they show up, but then you try to think of their job. Man, Mm. they're underpaid. They're intimidated as all hell, and they just want to get home too. Right. (laughs) You know, you kind of do it their way just to appease them and go, hey, man, let let me help you out here, but... I'm going to need to drink some water. We're going to need <laughs> yeah. to wait a few minutes. Do you think I want to look at guys' wieners right. for a living? <laughs> yeah. huh? And then pack it around when <laughs> yeah. he's done, yeah. right, in a container. Can you uh, can you uh, put your initials on this tube of urine that's yours? <laughs> Did you catch Reigns, what was it, about two weeks ago when he cut the promo on Brock Lesnar? Yeah. And? Shoot? Well, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing, because this is what happened, and you'll probably know more about it from your end of the coin, being, being in, in the business of UFC or knowing about it a lot more than I do. But three years ago, Brock's deal was coming up. And that's right before he did the Mark Hunt fight, I believe. And there was some jockeying back and forth. Is he going to stay? Is he not going to stay? Is it leveraged? Whatever it may be. And then I think part of it was he was allowed to go do the Mark Hunt fight. Does the fight, and then he gets popped for whatever he got popped for. So then he gets suspended for a year, et cetera. So now it's negotiation time for WWE again. Is it real? Is it not real? Is he trying to work one side against the other? I don't know. But I want to ask you, how does that suspension go? Does it does it start now? Is he back in the pool? How does it work? Yeah, so he's jammed up on that. He I do not believe he can return to the UFC. Now that isn't true. He he can. There is a way. So let's work through the troll fast. He got popped and he had to serve a year. To serve that year, you must stay in the pool, which means even if he goes, look, I'm not going to fight, they're going to show up to his house and test him. No like matter the what. random testing pool? The random testing. Gotcha. So, you know, the la- last thing he wants is to get tested, particularly when he's not competing. I mean, no- nobody would. And so he goes, okay, you know what? I'm retired, 
So that took him out of the pool, but at the same time stops his suspension clock. So let's just say for math, and I, th- I know I'm real close, let's say he stayed in for four months. Now he's got a 12-month suspension. He stays in for four. Then he exits. Great. When you want to come back, you're going to serve your eight months. Then, because you're a past offender, you're going to give us six months of clean tests. So if Brock was to come back, and I don't think Vince understands this because, yes, he, he is getting worked, and eventually he will write a little bit bigger check. It's very good when you have leverage in negotiation. As a matter of fact, the only thing that helps in a business negotiation is leverage. Dana's more than willing to play along and help him out here on the off chance that Brock is serious. But Dana's a mark as well, right? Mm. He's dealing with a professional here. So... Uh, yeah, the real truth, if Brock was to come back, if my numbers are right, and they're, they're very, very close if I'm wrong, but he's going to have to sit for 14 months. Well, you can't promote a guy. You tell me Brock's going to sit at home in Minnesota doing absolutely nothing wow. for 14 months. Not going to happen. And, you know, he's already 40. If I'm wrong, he's 41. So it's just simply not going to happen. Especially when the opponent that they're talking about, which would be a big money fight, is John Jones. Right. Is John Jones not... Also under suspension as well? He is under suspension, and it's uh, it's in, kind of indefinite at this point. We know he's going to be between two and four years. Wow. But we don't know what that will be. He's got a ceiling and a floor, and he doesn't have that here. That that hearing is 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 pending. It's coming up very soon. Um, but he's going to be sitting too. Now, Brock, you could put him with anybody, and there's not many fighters you can. In fact, they say there's only two fighters in history that can sell on their own, Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. Now, I believe that also has to encompass Floyd Mayweather at this point. Every other big fight has to have two guys, an A-side and a B-side, and they've got to have a problem, and everybody has to know what it is, and, and then we can set up the ring and have a date and sell the tickets and make the popcorn. But uh, Brock, you could put him in there against Jane Doe. It doesn't matter. He's going to do a million pay-per-views. He's so a once-in-a-lifetime attraction. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, what, so what is happening then? What do you think? What do you, is Brock being a genius and working the system yeah. or does he does he think he can just cut right through the line and go back even though he's suspended no i think he knows i think what he is banking on one thing which is that vince just simply doesn't know the rules but he has Sada. to vince would know you th- you would think so i mean vince is as smart as brock is vince is smarter for sure you know i mean i would think if he didn't know he would make a couple calls and have somebody tell him call dana white and ask you know what sure. i mean i mean it was it, it just it's interesting to me that i think what's happening and I don't know because I'm not there. I think that they've been building this Reigns and Brock Lesnar thing for so long, and it's contingent on the fact that Roman is the babyface and Brock is the heel. It's not the case. I mean, Roman has a lot of fans more than he did before. A lot of people want to boo him. Brock is Brock. What's what's there to boo about Brock? Sure, he's a big giant killer who beats the shit out of everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing to boo there. No. With, with a with a guy who can talk like Paul Heyman, who's really damn good at that too. So I think knowing Vince is that maybe they're trying to work it to where Brock is anti-WWE, which is the only thing that maybe people respond to, that he doesn't respect WWE, doesn't care about the company, um, which in a lot of ways might even be true. But to kind of compound and, and work on that, maybe that will get Bro- uh, Roman over as the the guy who loves the business. Sure. You know? so, and I like that. Yeah. Hey, I remember... It's a, smart, uh, it's a smart move. Yeah, you'll remember when Cena and The Rock were getting into it at WrestleMania, but Cena took that same approach. Yes. Hey, man, we're traveling the roads. I was in Australia three days ago. Right. You were at home on the couch. That was effective for me. And I frankly didn't, as good as The Rock is, and The Rock is very good at speaking, he did, he did not do a great job in that. He was coming out and saying things that I thought added to Cena's point. You know, The Rock was coming out... And what I perceive as a shoot, an inter- a promo shoot, but he was coming out and saying things like, uh, uh, so what that I left? I found something better. I left for something better. Who's going to begrudge me? Well, me as a wrestling fan, I'm going, 
doing ice mountain, doing space mountain is better? Yeah. I, that You just pissed me off. I wasn't mad at you before, but I am now. You're mm. calling Hollywood better than the WWE? It offended me. And I think that The Rock, when he said it, he thought he was making a great point of, hey, everybody should be happy for me. You know, I was down in the trenches like you, but I found a way out. All of us are on the outside going, we do anything to be in those trenches. Right. What, are, what are you saying, yeah. Rock? What exactly are you saying? Yeah. I thought it backfired a little bit. Well, and like you said, it ended up doing some great business, but but you have to have the storyline of a good guy and a bad guy. So maybe this thing with Brock is the way to do it. Now, let me ask you a couple other things. I'm sure you've talked about this at length, but we haven't spoken about it. When you talk about, you mentioned Floyd, I think Conor McGregor is another guy that to a certain extent could probably draw against, you know, a Tijuana taxi driver. Yep. First and foremost, what did you think of the Mayweather-McGregor uh, fight as a whole? Loved it. Loved everything about it. I was pumped when it got announced. Everything worked. The timing was there. You got the undefeated Floyd against the two-time uh, MMA champion and Connor. Uh, the buildup was incredible. You know, I don't think that that's arguable. I will share my opinion that I thought it was incredible. But anyone that says no, it wasn't, I'll remind you. Their very first stop was uh, in L.A. on a Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and they sold out an arena. Now, generally for a press conference, for a press you conference, yeah. tickets away. <laughs> you open the doors. You put out marketing outside. You got girls you know, in bikinis with little signs. Driving. You're just trying to get people. They sold tickets, Chris. They sold out to the point they were having scalpers to watch people talk about a fight with absolutely zero chance of a fight breaking out. And they sold out. They did this the next day, the next day, and the next day. They did it four days in a row on this world tour. Sold out every damn place they went. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. And then when the fight actually came, it delivered. Connor should have got destroyed. He's never boxed before against a guy who's never lost at boxing before. Took 30 minutes. Took Floyd th- a half out. I tell you, put myself in his shoes. I could not stand in there in a boxing ring with the world champion my size. So it'd be heavyweight for 30 minutes. That's not happening. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think Floyd is so good that he was working it? That he let Connor, like the old Taz thing, survive if I let you, whatever the hell is, he let him go as long as he wanted him to go to make it a good fight? I know that he's done a good job of rewriting the narrative (laughs) to say I carried him. But, I mean, the bottom line is he was sweating out there. It was 30 minutes in, and Connor still never went down. It was the right stop. You know, just to remind you, right right stoppage, but he still didn't go down. I really thought that Connor represented himself well. I thought it was ridiculous they were making the fight. I thought it was ridiculous when people said Floyd would win, uh, or rather that Connor could win. But he darn near proved him wrong. I mean, he did. He won several rounds against a guy who's never lost at a sport that he's never done. Doesn't that, also, doesn't that also show, though, that like the commissions and all that stuff, it's really based around the money you can make and not the actual rules? Because if it was like just some guy up the street, there's no way they let a guy get in the ring no that's never boxed before in his life. Obviously, money talks, and it was a great attraction. It made huge amounts of cash. But the purists, I could see why they had an issue with this fight in the first place. The, the commission will always hang their hat on, we are here for fighter safety, to take your 6% and provide yeah. a job for ourselves. But they will always go back to that because rhetorically, nobody can really argue with that. It's kind of like education for kids. No, no politician can really argue against educating the kids. Now we don't have to hear that anymore. The gig is up. You're here for the money. Let's at least we've established that when you put a 50 and 0 world champion against an 0 and 0 Irish kid. At least we've established one thing that this is about the money. Right, yeah. <laughs> totally. So, I'm happy with that because I knew it all along, but now you can't deny it anymore. Yeah, at least they're saying it. What, what do you think about Connor? The why has he got back? Will he fight again? Is he, is he off the rails a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it is a tough spot that he's in. First off, he's he's climbed the highest mountain 
twice. He did it simultaneously. He's got records that can never be beat. Because What's twice? He, What's the other one? He won the world title at 145. Yeah. He came back and won it at 155. Mm. The two hardest weight classes, he grabbed the belts in both. Largely, if you go back and watch those matches, they were kind of flukes. I mean, he kind of did have luck on his side, but who cares? That's what dreams are made of, and he did it. So, again, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm putting myself in his shoes. What would I do? I'm a competitor. I'd want to go out and compete while I'm still young and can do it. The other side of it is, what do I have to gain? I've already am the world champion, so now I have something to lose. He made a hundred million dollars to box Floyd. Dana wants to pay him closer to ten, which is huge money. I mean, to put that in perspective for you. Brock's biggest payday is five and a half by mm-hmm. Dana. Now that's a huge payday by MMA terms. Uh, terms. So when you double that for Connor, it's it's a very unique thing. It's a ton of money. But you do have to ask yourself, does he want to go out there and do something for a tenth of what he just got? And human nature largely says no. Mm-hmm. And what else does he have to prove? But also, too, and you might know this as well, or you actually, you know what, you, knew, you do know this. There's that desire to do something and to be like, you know what I mean? Like to show that you still got it or you're still the guy. Like why would Floyd even be, I mean, he's probably bullshitting, but why would he even be entertaining the thought of going to, to do another fight in, in the octagon, whatever the hell he's talking about? He's, he's 50 and 0. He's done. But he might want to still come back because it's kind of like what men do. Always want more. It's so seductive, man. It's mm-hmm. the hardest thing in the world to walk away. Right. right. Yeah, from the lifestyle, from getting up in the morning, even if you hate it, and, and, and going to the gym and seeing the guys. I mean, you know, for, for most of us, that's our social life. Most of us don't have a whole mm-hmm. bunch of friends. You got the you got the guys. You got the guys, yeah. You know, who wants to leave that? Who wants to, to, to miss out on the, 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 the hotels and the airports and, and walking in the arena, the paycheck that comes with it? Fame is a drug, and a lot of people don't realize that. And, and when you walk away from it, even in a short period of time, uh, you want them. I mean, you'll see guys that famous guys that are off camera for a little bit. Well, they're they're tweeting more and more and more just to get that little reaction <laughs> back. But it's this drug that they're trying to feed. And you know, Connor is an animal like that. And and one thing that comes with having a bunch of money is you you are faced with what do I do with my time? Mm-hmm. I don't have to be at work anymore. Right. What do I do with my time? And every all my, everybody else is at work, so I have nobody to hang out with. What am I going to do with my time? And, and uh, and that's a real thing that I think they both have to face, and I think Floyd's facing that a little bit too. And the only thing more embellished than Floyd Mayweather's pay-per-view numbers is Floyd Mayweather's net worth. That guy is a dumb-dumb, and there's no other way to say it. <laughs> and he will fight again because he has to. And he did make about a billion dollars, but he spent about a billion one. Wow. Yeah, he's one of those guys. So you're saying that his pay-per-view numbers are embellished as well? Tremendously. Really? Yeah, he was a good draw, for sure a good draw, but nowhere near what they claimed he was. I'll put this in perspective. They're trying to say that Conor versus Floyd was the biggest fight of all time. They are sticking by that. I went to that fight live. It didn't sell out. In fact, it wasn't all that close to selling out. Mm. Uh, Let's say there was 13,000 seats in that arena. 10,000 were full. That still, percentage-wise, leaves you with about 20% empty. If you're telling me you don't have a a, a live house, but you're telling me you broke a pay-per-view number, the schematics don't work that way. They never have. Mm, Interesting. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key, 
And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. What you were talking about before when you were talking about it's hard to, to walk away, you're not fighting anymore. I am. You are going to fight. I am. I just I beat Rampage. That. Yeah, I just beat Rampage a, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. And, uh, you I'm just part- beat Rampage a few weeks ago? Yeah. Okay, sorry, we didn't know. Yeah. Because so, the last time we spoke, you were thinking about it, you didn't know. I think you might have had some kind of a suspension that you were dealing with. Yeah, I was in the principal's office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how many fights have you had in the last couple years? So I've had three. <laughs> I, I won uh, the last two. And I've got two left under my contract, but I'm also part of a tournament. So I fought Rampage. That was the quarterfinal. So I've advanced to the semis. Two other guys, a guy named Frank Mir and a guy named Fedor Milenko, are going to fight. And what Whoever, company is this? Bellator. So it's almost like you, you, you work in UFC, and it's and like it's almost like WCW or the Monday Night Wars. You do your WWE time, then you go to WCW with the other cats that were all, all you guys were together. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's kind of exactly right. right. And so um, anyway, I'll take on the winner of that fight later in the year. Should I advance from there? I'll go fight for the champion, or go fight for the championship of the tournament. But uh, whoever wins the tournament, they're going to put the belt around. Will be the world heavyweight champion. So how old are you now? Forty years young. Okay, so you mentioned that Brock is forty, almost forty-one, and you're yet. Yeah, you said that might be too old, but for you, you is it because you're working with other guys or fighting other guys the similar age, or, or what's the difference? Well, the reason I would make that commentary on Brock is, you know, you don't get better at something by not doing it mm-hmm. and uh he's not training he's not staying active he's not doing any of those things and i can tell you when i take two weeks off when i take three weeks off boy it the the, the deficit that i go through to just climb back to where i was it's not like when i was a kid where you could take summer three four months right, off right, right don't feel any of it it's just not like that and so brock you know let's see his last fight was mark hunt ufc 200 a couple of years ago he hasn't broken a sweat in terms of mma since then um, I would just imagine that it's hard to get too much better. Then if you bring in, a, and here's the other piece of it, Chris, if you bring in a guy like Brock, who's coming in for a, a one night only contract, if you're the promoter and you know this better than anybody, but if you're the promoter, that guy doesn't get the shine. You, you, you can't bring him in and let him leave on top. Mm-hmm. If you can control that, mm-hmm. you want to make sure he passes that to the guy that's got three and four and five still left on his contract. And, uh, so that's, Ultimately, what Dana would try to do, he'd try to bring him in there with somebody that can steal some of that that shine. But when you have an attraction as big as Brock, if he's to put his foot down and go, no, give me another opponent, well, you got to listen to that. It's Mm. a little different. Dana's the big boss. He doesn't listen very well, but he's also a smart business guy, and it is Brock. There's, There's some special rules that apply. That's fair. What are the differences for you working in Bellator in comparison to UFC? You know, I don't see a whole lot. The companies are smaller. Bellator uh, has less than 50 employees. The UFC has 553 just in the Vegas office. So it it is smaller. But uh, Dana's largely, uh, mainly, primarily a pay-per-view business. 
Bellator is just a live TV's ratings, follow that basic Hollywood model. How many mm-hmm. eyeballs can you bring in? How many ads can we sell? So their business models are slightly different, but I don't feel it. I mean, I hear some of that. You know, Coker's got his plan and Dana has his. But for us as athletes, man, that cage is the same size with the same rules. <laughs> yeah. How is your training different now at 40 years young? I can tell you uh, it's less. I, I can't train. I can't go three times a day. I used mm-hmm. to. And I, I was hurting when I did it, but I did it mentally and physically. Uh, I just can't do it anymore. You know, me- mentally, though, too, I just I, I get tired. Uh, I can do two. I push through it, but it, it's a grind. Explain what, what UFC training is because, you know, WD training would be lifting weights and yep. cardio and that sort of thing for UFC. So let's see. So in the mornings, uh, I'll speak for most guys, but, yeah, in the morning you'd probably do a run and a lift and spend about 45 minutes in total from the time I left my front door to his back, maybe 15 minutes of weights, but it would be circuit because it's all cardio-based. So you'd pump through like kind of like a CrossFit workout. Uh, take some rest, go in in the afternoon, early evening, and there you have your coaches and you have your team, and then you're pushing and pulling with actual bodies or punching and kicking or whatever the workout may be, and just get to a day that way. And a lot of guys do that, uh, what I just described, six days a week. I do it five. I need I need two days of rest. Mm-hmm. So when you were in there with Rampage, what, how did you beat him? Uh, we ultimately went to a decision, but okay. I, I was able to score a little bit everywhere. I, I outstruck him a little bit in terms of landing. I don't think I hurt him. He was a big son of a bitch. Plus, I mean, he's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. I was hitting him as hard <laughs> as I could, and he just stood there like it was nothing. But I did touch him <laughs> a lot, and then I was able to get him down each round and, and score some points that way. So when did this come back? Because, like I said, the last time we spoke, and once you got to the principal's office, mm-hmm. you were always ready to get back in again, or did it take a little bit of mental uh, strength or yeah, it took a little bit of both. You know, I, I, I was so relieved to to be done. It was just a grind. And and the road and the travel and the miles and the cutting the weight and the whole process and all those things I just laid out that were complaints. Chris, I missed them so much. Mm-hmm. Fast. In a month, I missed them so much. I missed having that discipline. I missed having that structure. I missed seeing the guys. I missed hearing my coaches yelling at me. And, yeah, I wanted to come back, man. And now I'm on the other side of it. I've got so much motivation right now. I, I don't ever want to be done. It, it's interesting. Was there ever a factor of, of you thinking, and I'll, and I'll answer with my thought process in a second, of you thinking I'm starting to get a little bit too old for this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, a little bit of that. And, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll always say uh, train smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. But as soon as a guy starts saying that, that's kind of the beginning of the end. Hard work has really never been beat, not mm. even by – by intelligence. But there is a way to do it. There is things that I had to cut out just to cut down on the minutes. Uh, I'll just give you an example. But we warm up for about 30 minutes. And, I mean, we're doing everything from forward rolls to cartwheels to your push-ups to your sit-ups. And I go, okay, well, that's 30 minutes of wear and tear on the body, even if it's light. 30 minutes of calorie burning, even if it's light. What if I cut those 30 minutes out, but I... But I, I do the hard stuff. I do the hard rounds. I do all the hard stuff, but I cut out some of the lighter stuff. And it was able to cut down on about 50 minutes a day in the gym. So, you know, I went from about three hours in the gym a day to about 45 minutes in the morning, about an hour and 20 at night. And psychologically, at least, I still felt confident that I am working hard. I'm not working as long, but I feel like I'm still working. I'm doing the hard stuff. Is what I just described for you accurate or not? I'm going to need about a couple more years to tell you. But for right now, I feel like it is. But here's the thing, and this is what I was going to say. So I just had a match um, uh, in Japan, the Tokyo Dome, for New Loved Japan. It. Thank Loved you. it. Loved it. Watched it. Oh, you actually texted me. Yeah. Thank you very awesome. much. Um, so here I am, 47 years old. And this is not necessarily my opinion, but the critics, oh, it's the best match of Chris Jericho's career. Uh, Chris Jericho's career. The first 
first, uh, the, the, the oldest guy to ever have a five star match at 47 years old. I don't feel 47. And it's weird for me to think that. Like, really? 47? That's weird. Because over the years, I've changed my way of training. I started doing a lot of yoga. We talked about yep. that. I talked about with Paige about that when I really needed it because my back was screwed up. And then a lot of biking, uh, boxing training. But that's about it. Maybe a little bit of weightlifting here, but whatever. But I, I don't do the heavy lifting that I used to do. But yet, my cardio is just as good. And apparently, I'm just as good as I ever was, even better. Because I don't think that way. I never thought, oh, I'm getting too old. I never have ever said that in my life. I'm getting too old for this. Because the world has kind of changed. What's old and what's not? I mean, I went and saw the Stones last year, and Mick Jagger was still the best front man in the world at 75 years old. Sure. So I think a lot of it has to do with, with, your, with your mindset. I agree with that. You know, And they always talk about athletes being out of their prime. And, you know, even in the Olympics, which is the amateurs, but you're seeing there was a swimmer named Dara Torres and she was 42 years old and beating her personal records. And she was in the games four cycles before. So 16 years uh, before. As I have gotten a little bit older as an athlete, I have noticed I don't know about this whole out of your prime thing, but there is a, a point where mentally you don't want to do it. And everybody thinks it's a physical thing, but it seems like, no, mentally, guys just don't want to get my sport. The guys don't want to get up in the rain at 5 a.m. and go run six miles. They just don't want to do that anymore. They put their time in, and they're done with it. But physically, you know, I could take a look at a guy and go, God, he looks pretty good. You know, he looks like he's really in shape. So I'm not sure that physically your prime – I'm not sure the world belongs to 18 to 25-year-olds. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I just think that largely we used to see that because guys lost some of their motivation. Right, right. Yeah, and I think I'm right about that, and statistics do show me that I'm right, too. Let me ask you. I didn't know you were 46. I would have I thought you were about 42. i got to ask you something. I've been wondering this. Royal Rumble. I'm switching gears completely. Is that okay? Were you done with that time? Whatever you want to do. Royal There's a couple things. I always find it's hard, like, when you host your own show to be a guest because you want to take the reins of the conversation. Well, and but I'm, go ahead. And I'm pumped to be talking yeah, to you. So I, I want to ask you a couple of questions to get them out of the way. And Dan and I were talking about them on the way over. So uh, let me start with number one. Royal Rumble, your leg. Shoot or work. Were you hurt? Royal Rumble. Which which one are we talking about? I'm talking most recent. Uh, well, it could have been it could have been two Royal Rumbles. The way the time goes by, you hurt your leg very early and had oh. to spend a lot of time on the apron, oh, but you weren't I officially think, out. I think something happened when I think I think Brock suplexed me. And I landed I landed uh, flat footed because he's very strong with his suplex, like not a German suplex, but like a normal suplex. And I think when I landed, my, my it's something we used to do in in wrestling school when you're first learning how to take a bump is sometimes in the you land in the dungeon yeah sometimes you land flat-footed which means you land kind of on that under part of your the arch of your foot which really hurts if you bruise that you can't walk and i remember that's what happened that's a good point i came down and nailed it and then uh, i think i think half of it was i was supposed to be on the floor anyways just messing around but it was, it was it was a shoot that did hurt. Okay, I, did. I forgot about it. It, it. it looked like it, it did, did. It and did. then there was some statistic that even came out after that. I think you had twenty two minutes in the rumble, and even the guy that won it had like twelve or something. You were like the I longest. Was, I was sixty one minutes last total. One. Yeah, in last that year sixty one. Yeah, wow. I think I think, and and our listeners can tell me this. Text me or tweet me at Talk Is Jericho. I think I have the longest combined time. In Royal Rumble history, like all the Royal Rumbles, if you add them all together, you do. Uh, yes. you? okay. So there yep. you go. And that's another thing. Like, I'm sure, like I'm sure, people tell you stuff about your fights or your statistics that you didn't even know. Yeah. Because for us, it's just you get in there, you get out, you go to the next town, you do this, you do that. Like someone said the other day on that pay per view, talking about Randy Orton won the U.S. title, and he's now the second Grand Slam champion after Chris Jericho. And I'm like, what the f- 
a Grand Slam champion. <laughs> I didn't know I was a Grand Slam champion. Do I get a plaque for that or something? What is the Grand Slam I champion? I think it's you've won every title. Okay. In the like, you know, the Grand Slam, Intercontinental, U.S. World Title, whatever it is. There's whatever ones there is, and then the only ones that ever done is me and Randy. So, that's the kind of stuff that you don't really realize when you when you work as much as we do. So, so let me let and let me personalize this with the story I was telling you earlier, where Chris McMaster's like, "Hey, what do you?" What, I think what it's just Chris Masters. Ma- Chris yeah. Masters. You know what? Thank you for yeah. that. What the hell are you doing in your own locker room type thing? Where it's like, yeah. no man, I I don't want to <laughs> be in here alone right, in the right. dark. Let me tie that into Rhonda. So Rhonda allegedly. I wanted to talk to you about her. Too, yeah, man. she's getting a little bit of heat from the girls in the back for, for some of these same things. Really? You know, first off, she's coming in, not doing the heavy lifting, and all of a sudden she's, you know, got, got she's a segment the with child, Stephanie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She's going right into mania. She's got the little Roddy Piper gimmick behind her. And there was some resentment there. I don't know that I I can agree with that. I mean, a lot of times wrestling does bring in that star and they get some shine and pass it to everybody else. However... I do have to wonder if she's doing things in the back like having her own dressing room, in which case I would just like to offer to Charlotte and the girls, maybe you haven't invited her over like Masters hadn't done to me, and the second he did, I didn't even have a seat in the boys' lot. I was sitting on the floor, but I was thrilled to be there. I just mm-hmm. didn't know you were allowed to go in the workers' room. Well, this, the thing with this, and I can already see it, is, is they're trying to make her a female Brock. And Brock, you know, and, and I don't know if you know Brock at all, but... He's not the most friendliest of, of guys. He has his own dressing room, and he doesn't want to talk to anybody. I don't think he really likes people, to be honest with you. I don't know Rhonda. Do you know Rhonda? Yes, what's, quite well. What's her personality like? Uh, she's very nice. I, well, that, that, hmm. I like her very much. Mm. I don't know if I would say she's very—I like her very much, but she is a competitor at absolutely everything. And she's—but I think that she would— uh, you know, I think she'd like to be welcomed. She had a hard life. A lot of people don't know that. You know, she dropped out of high school as a sophomore because uh, she was trying to pursue an Olympic dream of which she made. She was living in her car. She had no money. She didn't know where her next meal was going to be. I mean, she's really quite a success story in that way. And that part of the story never gets told. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to her that, that people do give that a little bit of credence that she had a really hard comeuppance. She just happened to make it. But she also really loves wrestling. And Piper really was kind of a ipso facto a mentor to her, correct? Yeah. Is that is that a shoot? That's the way she tells it. Yeah. And uh and I do happen to believe her because she wasn't saying that post mortem like as a way of respect. Well, he, had, he had her on his podcast, and I've never heard her on a podcast before, so that would tell me that there was some kind of relationship there. Yeah, and the tie-in was Piper did some judo with a guy named Gene LaBelle yeah. and kind of admired him, and that is who trained Ronda. Oh so that's where that came from. Famous California came. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, okay. Well that's and the thing is so they might they might have her with her own dress room. And, you know, I'm sure if there's an agent involved putting together the deal, yes, Rhonda gets her own dress room. Of course she does. No problem. But if she has the respect for the business, she's going to understand that you have to ingratiate yourself. Great word. Uh, with other, the other that girls. That was a great word. Thank you. With the other <laughs> girls in the back. Because, once again, it's the unwritten rule of wrestling, unwritten rule book of wrestling that nobody ever has. Right. So she might not know. And maybe if she did know, she wouldn't care like Brock, but at least it'd be nice if she kind of knew. Let me ask you another question, speaking of the unwritten rules. When you get to the event and, you know, you're going to warm up, this is before the doors open and everything, you just arrive, you pack your bag, you go out to the ring, work out a little bit. Is there a rule there that you go and shake everybody's hand and say hello? Can I not just throw a hello to you from across the room? Listen, yeah, at, at, at the, if you're at my point of you know 27 years i'm not shaking <laughs> hey dude how you doing man right. I'll, I'll say hi to my friends obviously hugs maybe a couple handshakes here and there and to the to the younger guys 
and this is a, a place where I'm in too, like, and this is not egotistical, it's just the way it is. When I come there, there's a lot of guys who look up to me because I've been doing this for a long time at a certain level. So I will make sure to shake their hands because it makes them feel sure happy and part of it, you know, especially a lot of the guys on the 205 Live. Um, but as far as, like, if I go in and don't shake hands with, you know, three guys, and if I don't go shake hands with Cesaro, Cesaro's not going to be mad at me. Okay. Hey, dude, what's up? How you doing? Good to see you. Maybe, you know, hey, what's up? Pat in the back. But when you first started... You did have to shake everybody's hand. It was the thing. Oh yeah, and if okay. you didn't, you would get heat for being, you know, a, a snob or this guy thinks this guy thinks his shit doesn't stink. That was what Eddie Guerrero. This guy thinks his shit doesn't stink. And meanwhile, it was somebody maybe who just thought it was best just to. I remember I was told you're supposed to speak when spoken to. And it's like, well, yeah, that's but that's after you shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself. Well, no one told me which one is. It's like well, that's the thing. You don't. There's no one giving you a, a rule book. You have to go and figure all this stuff out for yourself. Right. And that was another was everybody was coming up and 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 saying hello, but it was with a handshake. It wasn't from across the ring. It, yeah. did, it was with a handshake. And uh I'm into hellos. I'm a, I, I want to say hello to people too, but um I didn't know about the but handshake. But if you don't know everybody, you know, if you're talking about uh, uh, I was saying Gorilla Force, uh, it was called GFW was the same Yeah. Word? Uh Global. Sorry. Gorilla Force Wrestling. I uh, Global Force Wrestling, if you have a whole new crew of guys and no one really knows anybody else, then, yeah, you do shake everybody's hand and let everyone know that, like, whatever we got to do, we're a big team, it's cool. But in WWE, where you're working four days a week and it's every week, it's like, I'm not going to shake every person's hand in every locker room. It's just not going to happen. And I don't even expect anybody else to do it. Sometimes when guys come out and say, don't, save it, and you don't have to worry, I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't shake my hand. Just go away. You know? Okay, but it is a thing. It, it 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 is a thing, and it was a thing. Very important back uh, maybe ten years or so when you didn't like when I didn't know as many guys. Right. But if you don't know people, it's just more polite too. Sure. You know what I mean. Definitely to introduce yourself. But I can understand you. Uh, See, so you got caught in the middle. Okay. A, you feel like an outsider, and B, you really respect the business. So. You don't know. Where's maybe I'll just place? go sit here. Right. If, if if you didn't really respect the business and that maybe you just didn't know as much, or, or not from a Mark standpoint, but from a big fan standpoint. If you're just some guy that came in, like Dennis Miller, he's just going to walk in and say, hey, what's going on in here, guys? How's everything going? Hey, Dennis. Because he doesn't really care. For you, you're oversensitive to it because you're such a huge fan. Yep. You know? That's what happened. That's and, what happened. And I, and I bring that up to personalize it because – I do worry about Ronda got married and now she she's not allowed to talk to any of her guy friends. Oh, so. she, one of those things. Yeah, so you, you know you got to respect that when yeah. that happens. But it's one of these deals, and uh, she used to be great. She'd take every phone call. She'd make the phone calls. I don't get to talk to her anymore. So I read about her, but I do worry about her in one regard that the girls don't like her. I would just offer you this, and I know I know the divas listen to to your show. I would just offer this, maybe extend the olive branch to her. Don't forget. She is the new girl, mm. and she does lack some some social sensitivities and social norms. Well, because and some wrestling did, sensitivity too. Yeah, she did drop out of high school as a as a sophomore and lived in a car. I mean, I think it's a great story. But the other side of it is, you're not going to know how to handle yourself in social situations when you have that in your background. I just I just suggest. But this. you're right though, especially once again going back to this unwritten rule book. Right. How, are you supposed to act? how is she supposed to know? And I'll also say this happens quite a bit it's never happened with me but it drives me crazy all the time when you get people girls or guys that are angry about ronda rousey being there and for example she came out at the end of the royal rumble the first ever female Royal Rumble, and the all the attentions on ronda rousey and there's some girls that were mad about that don't 
because wrestling is about one thing. It's not about great matches. It's not about taking bumps. It's about making money. And if Ronda Rousey comes in, and because she's Ronda Rousey, instantly becomes the top girl in the dress room and all the focus is on her, well, guess what? That's just the way it is. It's the same thing that happens when Brock comes in or when, when The Rock comes back. People are pissed off when The Rock comes back. It makes money. That's what wrestling is. It's not he's taking my spot. There's no spot to take. It's The Rock. It'd be like, you know, I don't know, give me anybody. Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1988 decided he wanted to be a wrestler. Guess what? He's, he's going to be the, the top guy in the business. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? All the guys, I've been on the road through. Who gives a shit? This is a different one. This is what wrestling is. So with the girls were complaining about Ronda Rousey, I couldn't believe it. It's like, guys, I understand. It was the first female Rumble. You guys deserved it. But guess what? Now suddenly women's wrestling is going to be on par with men's wrestling. She's the the bridge that's going to take you there. So sit back and enjoy the ride. It's going to be more money for everybody. And if you get to work with her, forget about it. You know? Yeah. Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, the way wrestling used to work, from what I've been told, but and this is before television, this is before you had distribution, you had that whole revenue stream, when you're just doing a house show, the wrestlers were clearly defined what they were going to get in relation to the promoter, uh, you know, of, of 40% or 60%, but whatever it was, there was a standard of the industry for this is how much the boys are going to get of this amount. Here's what the championship match is going to get. Here's what everyone, and that could trickle down to 25 bucks gas money. That could trickle $5,000. Am I right about that? There was some kind of a split, though, that was defined. Not is that really, true? Not really. There's, there's kind of like no one really knows what the split is. You're kind of at the mercy of the company. But right? in the olden days, I'm saying In what? the olden days, okay. the, the NWA champion, who would be Ric Flair. Yep. Um, I believe, you know, Harley Race and these type of guys, for yep. example, when they went to... Houston, with Paul Bosch was the promoter. You would know you're getting five percent of the gate that night. I think Bruno Sammartino with Vince's dad was like that. So if you went to into Madison Square Garden in 1970 and you had a fifty thousand dollar house, you would walk out of there with twenty five hundred dollars, which in 1970 I'm sure was like you know awesome five grand or whatever. Yeah. So that was just for the champion. As far as everybody else, and to this day, there's really no set rule how much you're gonna get unless you cut a, a, a special deal with Vince. Okay, you know, so now now it's like you you'll make a certain amount of money on a contract. Let's say it's you know ten thousand dollars, and when you work your matches at the end of the year, you'll either make less than ten thousand dollars, in which case you don't have to give anything back, or you'll make more than ten thousand dollars. Let's say you're at thirteen. Then you'll get a check for three grand. Okay, that's kind of how it works. Okay, and that was going to be my question. Yeah. So, is is just simply do, do they do that today? Is everybody just on a guarantee, or does the house still go well, to the boys it's a, a little bit? Of the okay, you're on a guarantee, and the house goes to the boys. And if you can make that money, if you fill up the tank and spill over, you'll get the spillover. If you if you get half tank, you're not going to have to pay anything back. But the next contract you get is probably not going to be for the same amount of right. money. All right, and that's all Steve Austin told me in 1999 when I first came in. He said Vince takes care of his guys. If you become one of Vince's guys, a.k.a. guy who's making him money, he'll take care of you. And I can tell you from my experience that's true. I don't know what everyone else is getting. I don't care because if some guy is getting more or less, I just worry about what I'm doing. And right. Getting, you know? so I want to ask you one more question about Ronda Rousey. She was so huge in MMA, and then she lost one fight, and it kind of killed her self-confidence. And the next one, she didn't even look like the same Massacre, girl. yeah. How does that happen? Why did that happen with her, in your opinion? Okay, well, there's a couple of things, and none of them are pleasant. But uh, to just answer the question real straight, that whole thing was smoke and mirrors. She she was never very good to start with. It mm-hmm. was just a reality that the other girls were worse. And 
to, to qualify that so there doesn't sound like any, any mud being thrown here. She was a judo practitioner. She was very good at judo to the point that she even earned a medal for this country in the Olympic Games. She got a bronze. However, outside of her, in the history of mixed martial arts, there has never been a judo champion. There's never been a judo contender. There's never even been a judo back it off to a semifinal. Like contenders. <laughs> Nobody with judo has ever done anything in mixed martial arts. The sport of judo, as far as uh, being a combat sport, sucks at best. And, I, and that would be me putting it nicely. It, it is not... It is not a, a good sport. There's a reason that the NCAA does not recognize it. There's a reason that there's not a single high school in all of the lands that has a judo program. So when she came in, and this isn't a slight on her, she was a rough-and-tumble gal. She was a great competitor. She understood you versus me. People are watching, and judges are going to score this. She understood all of those things, and she did them very well. But the real truth was she wasn't very good, and the other girls were just worse. And she has done, to this day, Right, being the biggest star, the biggest draw, and the greatest of all time to this day, including amateur fights, 12. Mm. Now, you tell me anybody that's ever been good at anything that's only done it 12 times. Could you imagine LeBron James on his 12th basketball game, Tiger Woods in his 12th? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. It was all smoke and mirrors. And being Ron's friend, I thought that she understood that. She was right place at the right time. She understood Great look. The game. Great look. I was just going to say yeah. she always knew where the camera was, and she knew exactly what face to put out. She wasn't afraid to be a heel and be a cool heel and be a sexy heel at the same time. Hard combination, but she fit the bill. I thought that she understood, yeah, I'm none of these things they say I am, but boy, am I in the right place. I thought she knew that, and she came out after she had lost to Holly Holm. That was the first loss. Uh, seven to one favorite going into that absolute massacre. She lost the fight. She talked about doing a suicide. And I, I share that with a very dark thing, but it let me in on something. That was when I realized, oh my gosh, she doesn't know this isn't real. Mm. She doesn't know that she's not. Rhonda, you've only done this eight times. How could it possibly be that you're the greatest end all be all? I had no idea that this young gal fell for it. I didn't know that, but she did. She marked out for her own gimmick. That's mm, that's true. That's not a height. criticism as much as that's just what happened. And then the second fight after that, that was the end of it. Yeah, the girls had kind of caught up at that point. Gotcha. You know, the girls, just, there wasn't a very uh, deep pool. There was a time, Chris, where if you came to me and go, uh, okay, I, I'm a female and I, I want to be a top 10 contender, I go, okay, well, raise your hand. There's mm -hmm. not 10 other girls in the world that are doing this sport, literally. Mm -hmm. So it was that thin of a pool. And all of a sudden, when, when Dana put some energy behind that division and put him on top of the card, and all of a sudden he's writing big checks – a lot of more girls said, hey, I want to give this a shot. And that's just all that happened. It was just a simple numbers game. Who is the best female fighter? The one that would win that uh, popularity vote, if that's the way we did it, is a girl named Chris Cyborg. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she is nasty. She's definitely in the discussion. I she still fights, right? Yeah, yeah, she's a champion of the world. Mm. And I personally think that uh, that a fight between her and this gal named Amanda Nunes, and that's the one, the second one that destroyed Ronda in like 56 yeah, seconds. she's a mean-looking chick. She's mean <laughs> as hell. She's rough. She believes in herself. She's got the skills. I don't know if she has the gas tank, but everything else, I could give her a 10 and every category and they're going to fight they're going to fight each other and i don't get excited for women's fights i was very chauvinistic about this i, I took a while to come over and go okay wait a second they're very good mm. i took a while though and i think i had a right to I, I don't think you could always say they're very good i don't think they were sacrificing the same that's changed i am so excited for that fight and i can't tell you that i've ever really been that way for a female fight but when amanda gets in there with cyborg there's gonna be something special to see 
When you're talking about a special fight, and now that UFC just sold for four billion or five billion or whatever it was, then in succession lose Ronda Rousey, John Jones is gone, Connor's whatever Who the knows? hell Connor's doing. What's going to happen? Like, how can they start recouping that investment? Is there other guys coming up that you think can be those marquee names? Yeah, absolutely. And and how do you do it? You know, Vince McMahon looked into buying the UFC at one point, and uh, the backstory on it is he was going to buy it and shut it down and get it out of the pay per view market. But Vince had said something, and I've I've clung to this, and I think that everybody else, particularly in hindsight, needs to understand he's right. And Vince said, you can't make a star if you can't control the outcome. (laughs) And he said, that's why the UFC is never going to work. Now, they succeeded in spite of that for X amount of time. They're in a dip right now. They're going to succeed and work through this. They're in a dip, but they do have guys that were absolute stars are on their way to it, but you can't control the matchups. It just happened with a guy named Mike Perry. Man, this guy was everything. He was the look. He was the talk. He was the style. He lost two in a row. Uh, There was a guy named Anthony Pettis, maybe the best example. 30 months ago, Chris, he was on the cover of the Wheaties box. And now some people think he's retired and out of the sport. He's not. He's still in there. But that's how far his star declined. He didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't get his hand raised Mm -hmm. when he needed to. And I don't feel feel that the MMA guy, Chris, I will lose a fight and my stock will go up. But I've planned it ahead of time. What if? What if I lose? The last thing they're going to remember is that fight. That's what everybody thinks. They're, everybody's wrong. The last thing I get to do before I walk into that ring is I get on that microphone. I need my excuse ready. I need my exit strategy ready. I need my next opponent ready. I need a combination of those three. But whatever it is, I'm not walking out hanging my head. I'm just not. I'm getting ready for the next thing. I use myself as an example, but some guys do miss that, and, and they do believe their own press clippings. That, hey, I'm the king of the world, or hey, I'm not worth anything. And that's I think that's kind of where Ronda came in with some of that really dark and negative talk. And most people steer away from, I don't. I think that there was a lesson to be learned there. I'm glad that she worked through it. I'm glad she shared it with everybody else. But when the marketing for one match ends, the marketing for the next match begins, whether you win or you lose. And not very many guys understand that. And nobody in the MMA business, in the wrestling business, they'd explain that to you. In the MMA business, they won't. And I don't know why they won't. But nobody explains to them, you have a job to do and you have an audience watching. So do your job and cry in the back privately. Did, did you get that from, from pro wrestling? Your 100%. Yeah. Get everything from pro wrestling. Yeah. Who do you think? Don- Are you telling me for one second Donald Trump hasn't been influenced by pro wrestling? Absolutely. Of course he has. And look, Absolutely. And look what happened. He won. He's a great worker. He understands psychology. You know, Floyd, Floyd's the same. Floyd told me before, he goes, listen, man. He goes, I know my role. He goes, I got it all from wrestling. Do I believe I'm going to win the fight? Most of the time, yes. But I have to make sure that everyone hates me so much they're going to pay to see me lose. And I'm mm-hmm. never going to lose. But I got to make sure to pay, make people. That's, that's Ali got it from Gorgeous George. Yep. I mean, that's you got to have that show business aspect to it, or else you're just a boring guy. And that's why boxing is so much problems right now. Heavyweight boxing, there's no characters. Yeah, you need a character. Yeah, you, you need know? a character. Got to have that. Yeah. So you know, to to the, the your question got started on this is you said, look, the UFC sold, and then they lost their two biggest stars in Ronda, and what's going to happen with Connor and John Jones on a suspension, and now Brock's back in the WWE. And the answer is pretty simple. You know, Dana has had to start over at square one a couple of times, and he does start over, but he can't do it overnight. He just can't. He needs a little bit of time. So, yes, you are going to have some dips. You're going to have some valleys. Scott Coker, who is my my promoter now, same situation. Guys' contracts run out. Some of them leave. Some of them retire. Some of them get stuck in the principal's office. I mean, there's a (laughs) lot of things that happen where you lose the guy that you were hoping to be your marquee guy. 
but you go back to the drawing board the next morning and you start over. And sometimes you end up in the spot that Dana just came out of where you've got four. You only need one of those guys. One of those guys can do something special, uh, you know, for your bottom line over the, the, the course of a year. Dana ended up in a spot where he had five of them. And he's only got so many shows, and right. he can start play, He can start stacking them up, a main event and a co-main event. And uh, it's a pretty cool place. But, yeah, then there's a dip, and you start back over. It's interesting, too. Like, um, th- that's a great point by Vince in that, you know, you can't make a star if you can't control the outcome. It's, yeah. it's a classic Vince point. Yeah. You know? well, people will always talk about who the world's best promoter is. And I'll hear, Nate, you know, Dana White, Scott Coker. You'll hear Don King thrown in there. And it's like, guys, those the wonderful choices. Yeah. The world's best promoter is Vince McMahon. Agreed. Vince McMahon said, and he's right, he said, I could sell out Madison Square Garden. Do you know this quote? I could sell out Madison Square Garden to have a wrestler wrestle a mop if I had enough time to promote it. And Chris, he could. Of course he could. And we both know a little bit of a, I think the mop's going over tonight. <laughs> By the time it was ready to go, we go, I don't know, you know, the mop said this, and, you know, I could... That's and that's so the true. genius of Vince. And, and when I bring up the Donald Trump reference, what does Donald Trump know better than anybody? Think? He understood psychology. He knows how to talk to his people. He knows how to communicate. What does Vince understand about it? People always think he, he knows business or, or he knows wrestling. Vince isn't out there teaching drop kicks and, 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 and sunset flips. Good memory. I missed the sunset flip. He's evoking emotion through psychology. That's what the wrestling business is. When, when I almost got my chance to wrestle, and I was on the phone with Jerry Briscoe, and he said, look, you're 33 years old. You're just simply too old for this. You win the UFC title. I, was getting a, I had a title fight coming up with Anderson Silva. He goes, you win the strap, we're going to sign you. You don't win the strap, we, we don't want you. And he said, because you're 33, we think you could learn how to wrestle in very quick time, six, seven months. We think it's going to take two years for you to learn the psychology. I thought, what the hell does that mean? I know what it means now. Mm. It took me a little bit of time. I wasn't as smart of a mark as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And he's right. There is a psychology that you guys do. Chris, you were in a Royal Rumble match for 61 minutes. I'm friends with you. And I didn't know until five <laughs> minutes ago whether you were really hurt or not. And I've wondered it, haven't I? Have we talked yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah. We've talked about it. Got, I got a friend here in the corner with no mic that I'm, I'm pointing <laughs> to. But I want you to know this is a shoot. And, but that's what's so brilliant about it. And that's a, the brilliance that you guys do. And I think it's why you can extend your career and the rest of us can't. As we wind down here, I want to ask you. Where do you have to be? What do you mean? As we wind down here, what do you got to? Here's your hat. What's your hurry? You got somewhere? You don't know anybody in Portland, (laughs) huh? Well, let's be asking you about a guy that we both know uh, in CM Punk. Yeah, he trained for a long time. I know you. You're. I'm I'm not sure if you helped him out with his training of the first fight, whatever it was, or uh, give him advice. He lost uh, uh, very quickly, but I still gave him credit for for sure for it. But now. He's back in business again, and yep. Dana's going to give him another fight. Tell me a little bit about the punk experiment, uh, what went wrong, what went right, and, and why now Dana's giving him another shot. Okay, so let's start at the beginning here because this part of the story never gets told. CM Punk's going to come over. What's he going to do on its surface? Well, he's going to do what Brock did. He's going to come in, he's going to take the main event spots, and he's going to leave with all the money right. and laugh at the rest of us. Well, not so fast. First off, he dropped CM Punk and came in as Phil Brooks. Second off... He committed everything to this, left wrestling. I realize there there were some reasons he had to leave, but the bottom line is he left. He locked himself in a gym with a room full of killers uh, with the best coach uh, or amongst the best coaches in the world in Duke Rufus in a a fantastic facility. He cuts the weight. He gets disciplined. He makes the walk. That was something that people of all walks of life should be able to relate to. Here is a bucket list item. 
Here is a guy given an opportunity to fulfill his dream, and he's got the courage and balls to do it with his shirt off in front of the world and live with the result. That was a very cool thing that he did. Instead, of course, people teased him, right? People are a bunch of dicks. He did not leave with all the money. He didn't hold Dana over a barrel. He didn't say, he said, I want to do this. Yeah. And to prove he did you, it for the right reasons. That's right. Yeah. To prove to you, you go ahead and keep your I want. I want a fair, but that's all I want. I don't want anything more than than what's fair. You make me an offer, and I'm going to sign the contract. And that's exactly what happened. The first offer Dana made, he signed the contract. So he, he his heart was in the right place. He was a competitor. He did everything right. He loses. So what does he do? He locks himself in the gym again. He begs for another opportunity, and he finally gets it. And quite frankly, the song is not likely to end any different than the first one. But if people can't get on board see him around town, talk to him on social media, and say, man, that was a cool, ballsy thing you did. I have no idea what's wrong with them because that is the bottom line. And he did everything right. He did everything respectful. And uh, and he did help the boys. He was There was a little bit of uh, jealousy when he came in because he could get on shows that some of the other guys couldn't. He could get on SportsCenter. He could get on FS1. He could get on Jim There's Rome. There's a lot of buzz about him. There's a lot of buzz about him. And some guys had resentment. Why is he sitting at ESPN and I'm not? It's like, well, <laughs> same reason. Because ESPN can get ratings with him. Same reason why people in the WWE would be mad when Brock shows up or, yeah. or Ronda or whatever it may be. So the, that was the first fight he had. Is it just because you can't go in there with no experience against a guy who's been training for this for, what was the guy's name, Mike? Mike yeah. Was, and, it, was his and, opponent's name? I, I'm misplacing it as well. I'm not even sure it's Mike. Mike Johnson. Yeah, I know exactly who he Mickey. is. Mickey what? Mickey. Mickey Gall. See, that's the guy right here. Mickey Gall. So Mickey Gall, even if he's had a couple fights, but this is a guy who's been training for this for five years, whatever. Punk comes in and trains for six months. Is it just, is it too hard? Yeah, Yeah. 36-year-old that had never done it and kind of locked himself down in the gym, sacrificed it, all those great things I talked about, but he did it for about eight months versus a brown belt in jiu-jitsu who's 22 years old named Mickey Gall who's looking uh, to make a life and a career out of this instead of Punk that's looking to come in and get the experience. Yes, it was a different situation, and while they tried to match him up appropriately because of records, uh, I believe Gall was 1-0 and Punk was 0-0, there's just a few more moving parts, and yeah, he's going to get cleaned up, and he's going to get teased, but what did he do like a man? He got back in the gym and said, let me try again. I think I can do better, and frankly, I think he's right. Now, what's better? Is better a win? I don't think so. He may get there, but I don't think it is. He didn't get out of the first round with this gall kid. Let's say he makes it into the third round in his next fight. Well, that's better. Of course. That's better. That's improvement, and I think that Punk is one of those guys that doesn't take himself too seriously. I think. I don't know him terribly well. I've known him a long time, and I like him a lot, but I've only got to visit with him and be with him in person a handful of times, but that is my perception. He is a guy that doesn't take himself too well. I was in Chicago, his hometown. He asked if I wanted to get something to eat. I said, yeah. I come outside with Sean Shelby, who is a boss at the UFC, works right underneath directly with Dana White. Some guy pulls up in a hoopty with like, I mean, like the tailpipe is dragging and blah, blah, blah. And it's a two-door. It's filthy, dirty. This must have been a 1982, 83 car. The It's freezing cold outside. The, the heater doesn't work. It's punk. He gets out. This is his car. This is his hometown. He's rich, not for nothing, but this is also his hometown. This is what he's driving. Well, it turned out, so Errol Hawani decides to come along. Now we've got to fit four guys in a three-seater car. It's a two-seater car, but somebody could go in the back, which ended up being me because Sean's a boss at the time. CM Punk, without missing a beat or knowing any of us, pops the trunk for Ariel to get in, and he's not kidding. 
<laughs> he wants Arrow to get in the back while we shoot up town to this burger joint. We end up cramming in because Arrow was too claustrophobic to get well, into the tr- him, yeah. I don't I wasn't I would have yeah, I'd yeah, skip yeah, the meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but at any rate I just I just but I think that does speak a little bit to a guy that doesn't take himself too serious and I think that that's a big advantage that he has in life. Why would Dana give him another fight? I think he probably had to beg for it, quite frankly, mm. and I think he probably had to say all the right things, which was just to come clean privately and go, man, I'm humiliated. Uh, I thought I could do better than that. I didn't. Everybody's teasing me. I'm working my ass off, and it, whether it ends the same or not, I won't ask you for any more money, any more placement. I'm not working any gimmicks here. I'm a straight-up guy. I've left Vince, and this is all I've got. Mm. And Dana would go, you got it. Guaranteed. Dana's but a real guy. It's going to draw, though. I mean, I'll watch yeah. it. You know, yeah. once again. No, you better will. Yeah, it'll draw. He'll get a little attention. The attention will be different. He'll get teased. He'll get asked the question you just asked. Hey, why are you doing this again? You mm-hmm. just do so hot the first time, and now you're two years older. He'll, but but he'll fend it off. He'll answer. And he'll probably answer it with a shoot. You know. Do we know any names that he might be facing? No, but I can tell you one cool thing is it's going to be in Chicago. Mm. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, be in Chicago. So imagine, imagine the pop. Imagine okay, the yeah, gate. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, pretty sweet. You know, that might even propel him to a co-main event spot. Maybe not that high on the card, but he'll be a main card fight. He'll be featured. And I look forward to it. And, yes, quite frankly, if you're a betting man, you probably want to go against Phil on this one. But who cares? That's not yeah, always that's, what it's yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. It's a two-man sport, man. Yeah. Somebody's going to win, and it's not always going to be Someone's you. There's no lose. shame. Well, since you said that I didn't have anywhere to go, this is your chance now if you have anything you want to ask me about. You know, I want to ask you about so many things. I wanted to ask about the Royal Ronda. I wanted to get into the Ronda thing. And, you know, you shared your opinion with Brock. And, yeah, I think that it's pretty transparent. I think that he is trying to play both sides. I think that he pretty clearly ends up in wrestling. And it does always make me wonder, though, does a guy like Brock work everybody or does he bring someone in on it? For example, does he sit down with Dana and go, hey, Dana? Here's what I got going on. Never going to happen. Vince has stuck it up your ass a couple of times. Help me stick it up. I don't think so. I don't either. I think there's one guy that Brock talks to, this guy called Brad Ringens, who was a wrestler for the AWA in the 80s. Uh, I worked a lot for New Japan. I believe he was a U.S. medalist in wrestling. Okay. Bronze, something like this, early 70s. I see Brad around from time to time with Brock, and I think that might be his confidant. But Brock is, I don't think Brock is really opening up any cards to anybody because he wants to work Dana too. Sure. If Dana paid him five and a half, he wants to make 10 this time. Right. You know what I mean? So, like I said, he's a very, uh, I don't think he likes people. He's the only guy I've ever met that's moved to Saskatchewan. Yes. Most people can't wait to get the fuck out of Saskatchewan. Right. I'm from Winnipeg. I would never be caught dead living in Saskatchewan. <laughs> he moved to Saskatchewan because he didn't want to talk to anybody. So, you know, I, I, whatever you say, pro or con, the guy's done a great job of building a mystique and building this war between the two most powerful promoters of our generation, let's be honest, yeah. in two different sports. So, you know, um, will he fight again? I didn't know the exact specifics of what you just told me for the 14 months. If he wasn't under suspension, it wouldn't surprise me if he did leave Vince to go for another fight. Yeah. But now that the guy he's supposed to fight is under suspension, he's under suspension, I don't know. I'd say most likely he's probably going to go back with Vince. I think that's most likely, too. And, you know, one thing about Brock, and a lot of people have said, well, he'd never get in there with John Jones or the current heavyweight champion, Steve Miocic. He'd never get in there. If you've studied Brock Lesnar, and at any part of you comes away with the conclusion that he's a coward, you did not study Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of things, but a coward is not one of them. Mm-hmm. And he will step in there with whoever they ask him. He's had his ass kicked mm-hmm. and known plenty of times, man, I'm walking in over my head. And he made that walk anyway. I think he deserves that credit. I want to ask you something. I want to really go back on this one. 
But Vince Russo, and I know you got to work with him uh, in your time at WCW. Does he get a bad rap? Did, did, was Vince Russo bad for the business? No, I, I think, and I only worked with Vince. So Vince is the guy that brought me in to WWE indirectly. There's a guy called Don Callis who runs Impact Wrestling now. He was working in WWE. He was kind of the middleman because I was in WCW not really doing much. And one thing led to another, and I ended up coming to WWE basically on Vince Russo's recommendation. Obviously, Vince signed off on it. Two months after I got in there, Vince jumped to WCW. I haven't seen him since. But I think just from what I hear and from what I saw the brief time, I think Vince had Vince thought like Disco Inferno. He'll have 10 ideas. Five will be great. Five will suck. But he doesn't know the difference. Sure. Whereas he had Vince did not Russo did not create the attitude era or architect the attitude era. It's Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is in charge of everything. Vince McMahon is probably in charge of NXT, at least as far as who stays new goes. So don't kid yourself about that. So I think that with the filter of McMahon, that Russo thrived because Vince, Vince McMahon probably went good, bad, shit, bad, great, sucks. Whereas when Vince Russo went to WCW and had no boss and no filter, that's when you started seeing, you know, uh, Mike Awesome, the fat chick thriller and all these freaking stupid things. You know, uh, uh, what was Ed Ferrar was like uh, Oklahoma doing a Jim Ross. You know, those things probably would have been in WWE had there been no Vince to, to censor it. So Vince Russo was not bad for the business. I think he was a great part. Uh, I don't want to see cog in the machine. I think he was a very important part of the machine of the Attitude Era. But you also had Bruce Pritchard involved and you had all these other guys involved. And you had Vince McMahon uh, piloting it. So that's the difference. So in Russo's time in, in WCW... It would essentially, I mean, his job is to come up with ideas no matter how wild. Essentially, if there's blame, and there there's blame, I mean, they went under, but that would fall to Bischoff in fairness, correct? Well, the thing is, there was no boss in WCW. That's the difference. And the first thing I went to WWE from WCW, couldn't, well, I, I knew what was up. Vince is the boss for every aspect. You have any problems, you talk to Vince. WCW, you didn't know if it was Bischoff or was it Hogan or is it Kevin Sullivan or is it Terry Taylor or is it Scott Hall and Kevin Nash or, you know, Sting or Warrior or Macho Man. Who has to approve these things that we're doing? So I think when Russo came over, I'm sure, yeah, the, 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 the buck stops with Bischoff, but I don't think there was really much of a filter. I think they brought they probably brought Vince in and Vince probably said, listen, one of the caveats is I write the scripts and, and, and with the exceptions of a Hogan, I have the final say on what it is and maybe Bischoff went okay. I don't know. I just know that I think he probably oversold his value to WCW, so they brought him in with full creative control, let's say. Sure. Whereas in WWE, to this day, Vince is still the boss. Gotcha. You know, every decision that, uh, everything that I have, uh, anything, is I deal with Vince, because everyone's got to go to Vince anyways. Right. Why do I want to talk to this guy, this guy, this guy, when they say, well, we got to go talk to Vince? I just talked to Vince. That's it. So you know, I, uh, Scott Hall said the same thing. He said, "Hey, I really like Eric Bischoff, but he was one of the boys. Vince yeah, he is wanted a to boss. be. Yeah, and and Hall and Nash manipulated Eric. They they ran they ran their own stuff there because Bischoff he would always say, "It's not my money. It's Ted Turner's money." Sure. Well, Vince McMahon's money is Vince McMahon's money. Yeah. So there's a big difference. Yeah. You know. And uh, a final thing, I'll ask you: What about old Sonny? She's still in the clink. Did you read about that? She Dude, got picked I don't up know. in Jersey. I probably read as much as you do. I I, I think that's like you know. It's a sad thing, man. There's certain people that you just get over and over and over again, and sooner or later, you know, they're either gonna uh, turn into born again Christians and 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 you know, and hopefully save themselves or whatever they have to do. Or it's the other side of the coin. And 
with her, you just never know, man. It's like one thing after another. The best thing for her is for them to just put her in jail for like five years. You know what I mean? At this point, with all these DUIs, like, dude, you can't do that, man. Because one of these days you're going to kill yourself or worse, kill somebody else. Sure. You know, it's just too many warnings. So it's too bad. She's a cool chick, and um, I've known her since 1994, but there's definitely a downward spiral going on there. So God bless her. Hopefully she can pull herself out, but she needs some help other than just being allowed to kind of do all this stuff. You know what I mean? Cool. I mean, have you seen that before with people that you know? Yeah, yeah. I certainly have. And I mean, even with her, and I don't know her, yeah. um, but I, I know of her. I mean, gosh, she was in my living room every Monday night for a while. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a big mess. You know, she got into the porn and she got into some of this weird stuff, and then I did see that she got picked up. It's a lot of similarities with China. You can see the, the, the similarities between the two of them that were so huge and then fell down and there's addiction and there's porn and porn is never a good sign. Sure. You know, if you're, if you're going into porn from something else, it's probably your last ditch effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? To make some cash. So needless to say the Chael Sun and Chris Jericho porn will not be happening anytime soon. <laughs> I love, I love how you said it like like you had stumbled onto something brilliant to impart. Yes, 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 Captain Obvious. Yeah, you are right. Porn is not a great sign. There's the, there's the tagline for the show. That's Porn right. is not a great sign. And with that, get over to DDP Yoga. Sign up with the promo code Chris Jericho. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Always a pleasure, man. You're awesome. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, check out Chael Sonnen's podcast. You're welcome at Apple Podcasts. He releases new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. He talks pro wrestling, MMA, all kinds of other stuff, too. Very well-spoken, funny guy. Love having him. Glad we could hook it up in Portland uh, when we were there playing a, a great show uh, at Dante's in Portland. And thanks to Chael for hooking it up and letting me use his studio to record this episode. And speaking of thank yous, thank you to everybody who came to see Fozzie in the first leg of the Judas Rising 2018 tour. We're taking a few days off so I could go snowboarding. Uh, we all need a little bit of a break. But in the first leg, uh, Fozzie, uh, Los Angeles at the Whiskey was amazing. Uh, Las Vegas at uh, Counts Vamp was insane. And also Lubbock, Texas at Jake's uh, back room. We had a great time there. But all the shows were fun. And we're going to continue the fun uh, as we start up on March 27th in Milwaukee at the Turner Ballroom. March 28th, Chicago at the Bottom Lounge. March 29th, Grand Rapids at the Intersection. March 30th in Detroit at the Shelter. That's going to sell out very soon. March 31st in Dayton at the Rockstar Arena. That is sold out. April 2nd, Cleveland House of Blues. April 3rd, Pittsburgh at Jurgles. That is about to sell out. April 4th, Clifton Park, New York, upstate New York at the Upstate Concert Hall. April 5th, New York at the Gramercy. That's going to sell out. April 6th, Philly at the Foundry. That's going to sell out. April 7th, Portland, Maine at the Aura. And April 8th, Hampton Beach at Wally's. And remember, April 8th is WrestleMania Sunday. You can come see Fozzie play a matinee show. We're going to start at 5. We'll be done by 7. And then myself and the entire band are going to stay and watch WrestleMania. You can join us. Come watch WrestleMania with Chris Jericho. April 8th at Hampton Beach at Wally's. Get your tickets at Fozzie rock.com come join us as well for the vip meet and greet it's one of the best of the business we play a mini concert for you we meet you we greet you we hang out we have a good time um sign some stuff for you we have a really really cool experience one of the best of the business go to fozzyrock.com to check that out and go on to the twitter at fozzyrock to read all the reviews 
of Fozzie's VIP experience. A lot of people saying it's the best they've ever uh, encountered. We agree. Also, bringing the words of Jericho back to the UK in the spring, May 21st in Glasgow, May 22nd in Manchester, which is sold out. That's sold out in seven hours. May 23rd in London. Still some standard room tickets available for that. Go get your tickets at insidetheropes.co.uk. Can have a great time telling some ridiculous stories and have a good time hanging out with all you guys. Uh, lots of fun coming up. Also, as we have a huge announcement this week at Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, we set sail October 20th. 27th, head all the way from Miami to the Bahamas. Uh, and remember, 150 bucks holds your cabin. You can make a reservation for 150 bucks. We just ma- uh, mentioned, we just announced that Corey Taylor will be on the cruise of the lead singer of Slipknot, lead singer of Stone Sour. Uh, talk is Jericho alumni three or four times. He will be on the cruise. Also, Noel Foley will be on the cruise as well. She'll be hosting things. And not to mention, all of these people will be here. Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, Raven, the Keeping It 100 crew, Beyond the Darkness, Colt Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing the Unprofessional Wrestling Show, Killing the Town will be there, Brad Williams, Ron Funches, Busted Open Radio, Corey Taylor, Fozzie, Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons, King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, The Darlings of Rock and Roll, The Cherry Bombs, Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band, Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy cover band, uh, Noel Foley will be there, and of course, the Ring of Honor presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happening on the cruise in the middle of the ocean. And the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament gets a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. Uh, Kenny Omega will be there. Uh, Young Bucks will be in the tournament. Villain Marty Skrull, Briscoe Brothers, Dalton Castle, Frankie Kazarian, Adam Page, Crystal Daniels, Jay Lethal, Delirious, American Nightmare, Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Uh, he'll, they'll all be in the tournament. Cody's wife, Brandy, will be there. Women of Honor will be represented. So many more names to be announced. We're not stopping, man. We are not stopping until this cruise is sold out and we're working on uh, on, on, on a cruise number two. So many great, 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 great names. Uh, remember, anything that happens on this ship when you reserve your cabin is all-inclusive. It's all for free. So go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your cabin now. Alright, coming up on Friday, the 35th anniversary of one of my favorite movies, The Outsiders. Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Also happens to be Danny Boy O'Connor's uh, uh, favorite movie. He's from House of Pain. We met up as, when we went to uh, the, the Curtis Brothers house because Danny Boy's actually bought the house where the Curtis Brothers grew up in the movie Pony Boy, Soda, and Dairy. Uh, he lives there now. He actually has uh, he's starting up an Outsiders Museum. He's starting up a whole Outsiders uh, resurgence based on his love of S.E. Hinton books. I love S.E. Hinton well, uh, as well. 35 years of The Outsiders, one of my favorite movies of all time. So quotable. Uh, Dallas Winston, Matt Dillon, oh, he goes to the drive-in and uh, he's harassing Cherry Valance and her friends. She goes, why can't you just be nice? He goes, I'm never nice. I love that line. We'll do it for Johnny. Man, we'll do it for Johnny. Um, very, very cool movie. One of my favorites of all time. Also, Danny Boy O'Connor's favorite movie from House of Pain. So we're going to talk all about that. The Outsiders, 35th anniversary. Throwing a little curveball at you. I bet you never thought you'd uh, hear anything about that. We're going to hear about uh, all the props that Danny Boy's got. What he's still looking for. What the process has been like. And how you can check it out for yourself. We're celebrating the 35th anniversary of one of my favorite movies of all time. The Outsiders will be here on Friday. So check that out. In the meantime... And in between time, we will see you soon. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. And a big yeah, boy. We'll be back uh, on Friday with Talk is Jericho and the Outsiders. We'll see you then.